The one thing I learned from my dad is that hard work pays off. Now, that is a good thing and a bad thing. The good part is I've always been a hard worker. You, you'll never say Amy's lazy. Like that is not, you could say a lot of things about me, but that's not one that you're going to say. And I learned that watching my dad blue collar to the bone. He was a firefighter, um, loved his work and he, and he worked a second job because firefighters didn't make that much money. So always working, always providing for the family. So I knew the value of hard work. Is this the real life? Is this podcast junkies? Recording an intro different than any other. What's up, people? Podcast junkies episode 180. And it's been a a week since I've, a week, a little bit longer than a week, been on the road, traveling, enjoying the sights of this beautiful country and reminiscing about cycles. Cycles are interesting phenomenon. And sometimes you don't realize when one is beginning and one is ending. But I realized that with this episode, a certain cycle has been completed. It is with Amy Porterfield. And for those of you that know my origin story, you know that I was at New Media Expo in 2014. And that's where I went to learn how to podcast and where the idea for Podcast Junkies was born. And Amy was actually one of the speakers. And so it's been interesting to see her growth over the years and be inspired by her and see what she's been able to do with her podcast. And as luck would have it, I ran into Amy at Social Media Marketing World earlier this year, and she was with Rick Mulready, another person who I met at, a podcaster that I met at New Media Expo. And Rick was actually on the show. So he's been already on Podcast Junkies. And obviously, I, I chatted with Amy. We had an, um, we were walking down the escalator for a little bit. And I let her know what exactly the impact she had because she was one of the people that inspired me. And obviously, she was super pumped to come on the show. And we made it happen. Had some scheduling challenges, but we made it work. And I have to tell you that it was really inspiring. We talk a lot about how... Uh, she started her podcast, how she got into podcasting, why she records a video. She talks about the people she's met through podcasting, and she talks about the importance of her family and helping her and supporting her as she's grown the show. She mentions how her friends have helped her through some big shifts in her career. And then we look back at her success and see the mistakes that she made and and why she does the amount of planning that she does that goes into her episodes. Um, we talk about the importance of the reach and the impact of her show. And we also get into some personal topics that uh, I thought you might find interesting. And she opened up a bit about some challenges she's having personally uh, towards the end of the episode. So this is really interesting, really inciting, insightful. And I'm really excited that I get to share this with you because it's really important for me to bring you the stories of podcasters that have had a bit, big impact in my life. As always, full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 180. This episode is brought to you by Squadcast. Squadcast is the premier solution for recording quality podcast interviews remotely. Typically, there's been other options for recording remotely. You can install software, but what happens is that you're at the mercy of your internet connection. And what happens with Squadcast is that they record what's known in radio as a double ender. So you get two quality WAV files recorded individually at each person's location, and then they get magically uploaded to the host 
and then you end up with a WAV file that sounds pristine and clear. So check them out, squadcast.fm, the URL, and use promo code podcastjunkies to let them know that you came from me and that you heard them through the show. But I've had a lot of listeners now sign up, and they've been pleasantly surprised by the quality of the show. I'm really passionate, and I'm formally advising the team, so it's really exciting for me to promote them because they're doing great things. Don't forget to tune in to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. It's my little secret personal game that super fans would know about if you're new to the show. It's a special hashtag that I only reveal at the end and then I ask you to tweet about it. And that's my way of seeing who's paying attention and who's the super fan and falls into that category. So for now, enjoy my conversation with Amy. I'm excited. I am too. How are you? This is an interesting interview because um, we ran into each other at uh, Social Media Marketing World and I think I, I gave you a little blurb. But uh, Podcast Junkies has been going on for four years, and I've interviewed a lot of our mutual friends, you know, Pat and Cliff and and Gary Leland and uh, all like the old schoolers. And I was just like, I love telling their stories. It's, it's, it's super meta because I went to New Media Expo in 2014. Oh my gosh. Which is dating you and I both. Yes, <laughs> lifetime ago. <laughs> and uh, I went there. Because I grew up uh, DJing, like um, electronic music, like vinyl, I like vinyl turntables. So cool. And I, and I was like, oh, I want to interview DJs. And then I realized how hard it was going to be to track those people down. And I saw, uh, I saw Chase Reeves. He had a, he, he had, yeah, he's awesome. He's, uh, he had um, a session called How the Podcast Sausage is Made. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I sat can see in, him saying yeah. that title. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had the, and I sat there and I was like, um, and I was like, you know, it'd be cool if I told the stories of podcasters. And I was like, I know like Dave Jackson is doing some stuff, Daniel J. Lewis, you know, uh, podcast about podcasting. But I was like, I, I just felt like there was, there was more to tell. And I just said, you know, I, I just want to tell the people, the stories about these people. And I started, I, I looked up the term podcast junkies. I joined JLD's uh, Podcasters Paradise. And I was like, I think I was on a webinar and I registered the domain name while I was on the webinar. And I was like, this is available, guys. I'm going to do this. And they're like, yeah, you should do it. And Kate was like, yeah, you should do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I did it. And I didn't, a uh, little that I know, like what, the interesting thing that I did was I decided from, the, from day one that I was going to do video. And so I did, oh. Skype, I did Skype video. So every interview, probably with the exception of maybe three or four because of connections, um, it was, it's always been a video, but I never used the video, but I thought the power of having the face-to-face -face conversation is super important. So funny. You say that to me today because I interviewed Andrew Warner from Mixergy yeah. on my podcast about chatbots today. And I don't do video and I do podcasting yeah. and I show up and it's just Skype and there he is on video. I'm like, whoa, Andrew, and he's in a sports coat. And I'm like, why do you look so fancy? And he said, well, all your stuff is so fancy online, Amy. I thought I should show up and look good. And I said, I wasn't expecting video, and I am in workout clothes. And, and he's like, well, you don't have to turn your video on, but I really like to see people's faces yeah. when I'm podcasting because yeah. I want to see your reaction. So, of course, I turned on the video, but he said the same thing you said. We're not going to use the video, but he likes that real interaction. And it was nice. So, I, I've got a funny Andrew Warner story from two years ago in Chicago. 
Andrew Warner and I, oh, well, I mean, we, I was at Podcast Movement. I was hanging out in the lobby and I was talking to Alex Bloomberg from Gimlet. And Andrew Warner just stumbles in and he's just like, hey, we're going to go get something to eat. And he was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Natalie Jennings, and he's like, we're going to go downtown because he was in the mood for some ramen. So he walks outside. He's trying to find an Uber. He can't find an Uber. So he, he sees a guy sitting next to a limo and he pays the guy. He's like, can you drive us downtown? So this is... And then he, True baller style of Andrew. <laughs> the funny part about it is like an 80s limo. It's one of those boxy, like long limos, nothing like Mercedes Benz or anything like that. So so he's like, let's go. So it's me, my friend Natalie, Vernon Foster, Christina Cantors, um, and I forgot who else was in. He's like, let's all get in the limo. So we get in the limo, <laughs> we go downtown, we get down there, and then he's like, text uh, Johnny Dumas. He's like, hey, we're here. So Johnny Dumas shows up. And I feel bad because there's one woman sitting at this table at the ramen place and we like overtake the table. Oh, and she's no. like, we each start telling her about what a podcast is and why she should listen to podcasts. By the time we're done, she's got all her R of our podcast on her phone. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I love podcasting. You guys are awesome. I'm going to listen to all these shows. And so fun. We, it was so fun. We end up in like a tiki bar that night and we're like all, like, it was like crazy only in podcast movement stories. So um, I love it, those kind of nights. I've had uh, a few of those fun nights in Vegas with yes. some of those same people, especially yeah. for some reason, John Lee Dumas always seems to be there. He is the one that's always partying, I guess. <laughs> well, this last podcast movement in Philadelphia, we ended up at a karaoke bar and obviously it was like a uh, John Lee Dumas was there, Kate was there, and a couple of other of our friends. And uh, yeah, I think what I love about it is that he's so approachable. And I think there was new podcasters that are showing up because I've, I've I've probably now hung out with him a couple of times now. So he, you know, we, we always have a good time. But new podcasters are like, oh my god, John Lee Dumas is here and he's hanging out and he's having like karaoke. So and so you've been doing this for you know quite a bit, and and I'm wondering like if if that's something like as you started entering into podcasting. Was it something that surprised you about how accessible this community was and, and like how friendly and, and did you even think that you would just call some of these people friends for like for as long as you have now? No, definitely not. I feel very lucky uh, of the people that I've met or the relationships that I have through building this online business, but so much of it is from podcasting. So when you bring that up, I like look at all the the people I'm really close to. And we have one thing in common. We all have a podcast. And yeah. and I I never knew that podcasting would open up so many doors. And personally, meaning I came out of my shell, I found my groove with this. I feel really good about creating the content for podcasting and putting myself out there. So I've grown as a marketer and as a person through podcasting, but also my business has grown considerably because of this platform more so than any other platform I've ever had. So I, it's a really cool thing. So other platforms you've had, what what are some of the other ones that you've tried in the past that have? Oh, that's such a great question. I used to blog in the beginning. I was never consistent with it. And although I can hold my own with writing, it's painful for me. It takes me a long time. And so I never loved blogging. I had a YouTube channel and started to do some YouTubes. Again, wasn't I started to do some YouTubes. That sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And I wasn't consistent with that. And I always say there's this sweet spot in your business where you love the platform you're using and it's easy to show up. You're, you're yeah. going to do it consistently. You're enjoying the process. You might have a few rough days, but overall it, it feels good to you. And at the same time, 
your audience is liking that you're showing up there. They're they're coming too. They're listening or watching or reading or whatever. So for podcasting, and this is for so many people, that sweet spot it is the fact that they love to podcast and people will listen to that podcast. So I found my sweet spot early on and I'm so glad I stuck with it. When did you, like, obviously like all podcasters, when we start, we're, we stumble along the way, but was there a moment when you felt like you hit your stride and you felt like, oh, this is my medium or, and this is where I feel like I'm in my lane and I'm most comfortable? Uh, One million percent. I think I was podcasting for a year. So yeah. I started in 2013. It must have been around 2014 when I was in the Philippines. <laughs> He's going to love this episode because the man loves to hear his name. John Lee Dumas, Mr. JLD was there. This episode is brought to you by John. Right? You should pay us for this one. So he was in the Philippines and we were there for Chris Ducker's event, his very first uh, event that he did. And um, we were there and there were some other podcasters, same people you mentioned. Um, Pat Flynn was there. Greg Hickman was there. A few others. And we were all giving each other advice about our businesses. And JLD looked at me and he said, if you want to make more traction with your podcast, because I was complaining, it just wasn't getting the downloads I expected. He said, if you want a game changer, then you need to be showing up at least once a week. Because for my first year, I was sporadic. Sometimes I got one episode out a month. I had no idea that made such a difference. So he, of course, in his you know hustle mentality, he said, do two a week. I'm like, I'll never do two a week, but I can show up and do one a week. So from that minute on, I've done one a week and I think I have missed one episode, one or two episodes since 2014 of one a week and it changed everything for me. I finally got my groove with it. So there's something about that and it probably lends itself to who you are as a person. And I think you used to work with Tony Robbins in the past, Yeah, back in the day. You know James Cooper? Yes, I do know James Cooper. Yeah. James James and Aaron. Yeah, he, we're in a mastermind together with uh, oh, so cool. Black Belt. So, so I think uh, I wonder if some of that helped you in terms of the discipline and being consistent because a lot of times what a lot of early podcasters fail to realize is like you do need to put in the hard work. And you said you were doing it for a year before you hit your stride. And I think, can you talk a little bit about how important that is to have the discipline and the consistency time, you know, week in and week out? Yes, I think as an entrepreneur, and this is something I've learned the hard way because I haven't always been consistent across the board in my business, but the people that are winning, that are made a huge impact both financially and helped people make transformations are those that have shown up every week. So my mentor, Marie Forleo, has had a newsletter before anyone even knew what a newsletter was. And she was emailing every single week, rain or shine, she showed up. Laura Roder, dear friend of mine, back in the day, we became great friends. She uh, went on to um, create software. So she kind of got out of the online space. Yep, meet Edgar, great software. And so she, back in the day, had a newsletter every single week, Michael Hyatt blogging every single week. So what I did back in the day is I looked at those people I admire who were really making a difference in the space. And I, I saw the commonality that they were all consistent with their original content. And so I knew that was going to make a difference. So for me, the, the, I always say those who are winning are those who are showing up every single week. It's really easy to beat out your competition because most people are not 
consistent. They say they're going to do something and then they don't. And the, and the only word that matters, is the word that you give yourself, ultimately, at least it's the most important first word that matters. And so when I tell myself I'm going to do it, it's really important to me. I stick to that. I definitely learned that working with Tony Robbins. He, there was so much of how he did things, um, what he taught, being true to your word, actually following through. So a lot of the mindset shifts that I made while working for him, I brought into my business for sure. Was there any of that that you had before you started working with Tony Robbins? Was there some of that discipline? Was it something that you learned like with from your parents or is it something that you, it was instilled at you at an early age? Such a great question. One thing, yes, I the one thing I learned from my dad is that hard work pays off. Now, that is a good thing and a bad thing. The good part is I've always been a hard worker. You, you'll never say Amy's lazy. Like that is not, you could say a lot of things about me, but that's not one that you're going to say. And I learned that watching my dad blue collar to the bone. He was a firefighter, um, loved his work and he, and he worked a second job because firefighters didn't make that much money. So always working, always providing for the family. So I knew the value of hard work. The challenge is that I grew up thinking that you have to work hard. You have to work yourself to the bone in order to make good money. We lived a nice life. And so I equated hard work with money. And my dad, being old school, growing up in that generation, he believed that you will not make a lot of money unless you work really, really hard. I've learned since that that's not necessarily the case. I could work smart. I don't have to work every day, long hours and hustle my butt off to make good money. Regular listeners to your podcast will know that your husband is also a firefighter. Yes. So I'm wondering <laughs> how much of a correlation is that between uh, your... Direct correlation. So really quick, I'll tell you, uh, my husband was 36 years old when he said to me, I wish I would have become a firefighter. He, he became good friends with my dad and my brother-in-law is also a firefighter. So this runs in the family. And he said, I wish I would have done that. And I said, I don't think it's too late. Now in California, you're usually 21 to become a firefighter, but my husband has a great background in the military and such. So I said, you should go for it. So he talked to my dad and he talked to my brother-in-law and they kind of helped him like, here's what you need to do. So it was definitely not a coincidence. With that like blue collar background, I can definitely relate to that. Like how hard were those conversations early on as you're building your business and they're seeing what you're doing and they're realizing that you're not in a nine to five job and they're not in an office and you're like, Amy, like, where, where's this going? Is this going anywhere? Did you have those conversations early on and how difficult was that? Yes, it. there were some awkward conversations where I always want everyone to be proud of what I'm doing. Like those in my family, you know, I have to be careful looking for validation because it's something that runs in my blood. And so in the early days, I wanted my family to be really proud. My husband's always been a big cheerleader because he was there before I created all of this. But my dad worried and my mom worried about, is this really a business? Is this viable? Is this something you can do consistently? What is this that you're doing? Like for so long after I'd created this multi-million dollar business with multiple online training programs about all different stuff in marketing, still my mom would tell people, oh, my daughter wrote a book about Facebook marketing, a dummies book. And that was like so long ago. So they don't really understand what I've done in my business. So the one thing that was really funny, and this was really sweet, my dad would worry like, is your business gonna be okay? If I did a big launch, like, could you do that again? So finally I explained to him, dad, I have an email list. And as long as I'm growing my email list, 
and I have a good relationship with the people on my list. I always have someone to market to. I always have a way to make money if I have a viable email list. Without getting into all the details, that's just what I told him. So every time we talk, he said, are you still growing your email list? And that's all he needs to ask. And if I say yes, he knows I'm good to go. So we we had to have that conversation so he'd stop worrying. So I guess at this point with the success you've had already, that they're pretty convinced that what, oh, apparently what you're doing is working out. Yeah, they're like, okay, this weird internet marketing thing is working. So now they kind of are good to go. It's funny. I had to. Um, I, I had a cameo in the first uh, podcast documentary, The Messengers. Chris mm-hmm. Carrizos and John Dennis. They put together that documentary, and they've got a, a second one coming out. But I actually had that DVD, and so when I was back home in Yonkers, I had to. I played it for my parents, and I'm like, "This is a podcast. Produce podcasts for, and this is my business right now." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. I finally get what you do." <laughs> they had no idea like what a right? podcast is. Yeah. Yes, they just, our, most of our parents do not know what we do. So I think it's important we show them and explain it to them because they want to be proud of us. Yeah. yeah. So how important, can you talk a little bit about like um, tribe and also like building um, this community of like, like-minded friends around you? Because, you know, you, I, you're in Carlsbad. I don't know if you're Carlsbad permanently now, but you were also in San Diego for a while and, and you were hanging out with uh, Pat, uh, Pat Flynn at the time. And, and there was like a whole group of you that was like, I remember there was like a certain group of podcasters that were like in San Diego. And I'm wondering if you could talk about the importance of like finding like-minded people who are like growing at the same level that you were and just being able to bounce ideas off those folks. Such an important uh, part of the experience. And I'll tell you, I don't mean to be encrypted, but I can't get into all the details, but I I made some shifts recently in the back end of my business and some stuff that I um, can't legally talk about, not a huge big deal, but I made some shifts and it was scary shifts and um, big transitions. And the reason I tell you that is that these friends of mine, this circle, this tribe that I've created over the last few years, everybody came to uh, my side. And uh, when it was all going down, I got text after text. We're thinking about you. Keep going. This is going to be fantastic. It's all meant to be. And all my friends in the industry that understood me and, and knew me well came and said, if you need anything, I'm here for you. And I rarely need anything. Like I'm pretty independent in what I do, but I needed that moral support. And it was just recently that I realized, holy cow, this is even more meaningful than I knew. So I always encourage my students, find that that tribe. They don't need to be big names or big shots, but that tribe that is going to be there in the darkest times for you. And also, I know this is a t- Tony Robbins thing, but you got to surround yourself with the people that are doing bigger things than you. It's so important. I've been in phases of my life where I, if I look around, I'm the big shot of the group. And I don't say that egotistically. I just mean I'm doing the most money or have the biggest email list or whatever. And I never wear that badge of honor because I think you're not pushing yourself enough to be scared to be with the big guns that are doing bigger things, scarier things than you. And so I'm always pushing myself to surround myself with others who will say, you're playing small, get out there. Well, it's interesting because there's the there's the Jim Rome quote, right? You are the sum of the you are the average of the five people you most associate yourself with, which was big for me when I moved from corporate America into like this world. And then Jason Gaynard, a friend of mine, he says, um, "If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room," right? So I you, believe it. I believe it. 
as you continue to grow, um, can you think about like, cause I met you, um, briefly met you, uh, we took a selfie. So that qualifies as meeting. <laughs> right. We're best friends forever. <laughs> In 2014. So a lot of times it's hard to measure success. If you look back, look what you did over a, uh, a week ago over, or a month ago, or even three months ago. But sometimes when you look back a year ago or even now 2014, close to four years ago, Sometimes you you have a lot of things going on. You're like, oh, things are going well. But can you look back now and look back at like the two, three, four years ago and see how much you've grown in all the phases, both as a, a business person and personally within the, within that time? Oh, my gosh. Sometimes I don't even know who that girl was. I um, look back and yes, I see so much growth and also I was so scared back then. So I've been in it for about 10 years. And just even if I look back five years ago, I was scared that the success would go away. I was scared that I wouldn't make the right decisions or I'd make a wrong move and it would all just kind of crumble. And what's funny is once you start having consistent success, those fears start to go away for sure. But sometimes they still pop up, but then I can identify them and say, come on, just keep moving forward. I can get out of the the dark times or the scary times a whole lot faster now. I will never say that they don't come up. Every launch, I get nervous. Every time I step on stage, I have those butterflies, but they go away a whole lot faster now. And I make more intelligent decisions and I'm more intentional with every relationship, with every decision I make, with every new strategy. There's always a why behind it. And I think that's important. So I just work smarter. But yeah, huge growth, huge growth. So where did you learn this idea of being more intentional? Because it's really important because a lot of times um, as we're growing and we're new into this entrepreneurial world, like we think about like satisfying the people who are like the closest to us and we just want to make them happy. But the fact that you said you're more intentional means like you're making a conscious effort to make decisions that are going to make move you forward in a way that maybe you didn't think like, Oh, you didn't have that mindset before. So like, where would like, how did, where did you grow and how did you cultivate that? Well, first of all, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you where I learned this whole idea of intentional, but it's the truth. I learned it from Oprah. And the reason for that is there's this great podcast called making Oprah. Now it's hard to find because it turned into making Obama. It's the weirdest thing. Like the podcast name changed, but there are old episodes like a season one called making Oprah. And I I recommend everybody who's an entrepreneur to listen to it. And it's all about how she came to be. And in it, Oprah talked about when she had her uh, show that she told everybody on her team that we are going to be intentional with the decisions we make and the strategies we choose and the guests we bring on, that there's intention behind it because that's where true meaning comes from. And so this was about a year ago that I heard her say that. And I think, how often am I very intentional about anything? I kind of just say, okay, we're going to do this, do that. And if you stop me and said, why? I don't know if I'd have a why a few years back. I just thought, well, it looks like or sounds like the right thing to do, or this guy's doing it over on his website. So I'm going to do it here. But now we look at our core values. We look at our goals. We look at where we're going. I set smaller goals. I don't do five years out or anything like that. We're just looking at the year ahead. And everything I do is going to be related to one of those goals or one of our core values. So that's where that intentional came about. Now, one more thing that came at that exact time was Oprah also talked about blinders. You know, when horses run in races, they've got the blinders on. And she told her team, not only are we intentional, 
but we are going to be running with blinders on. We will not look at what Hugh Donahue is doing or Sally Jesse Raphael. I mean, I'm dating myself. That's a, <laughs> This is her show back then. You're talking about Maury Povich. (laughs) Some people, some people, your youngins are going to be like, who are you talking about? But these are the old talk shows that she was competing against. And she said, we never even looked at who their guests were. And I can easily get caught in the comparison. Marie Forleo, my mentor says, you're drinking compare schlager. And I can drink it all day long if I'm not careful. And so I tell my team, we've got blinders on. We've got big dreams, small steps to get there. Put those blinders on and do not look at what other people are doing. And that has kept us more intentional. So if you started a new podcast and it was called uh, Making Amy, how different would it would it be than the show you're currently producing? Ooh. So if I did a, a Making Amy show and we started back in the day, I, I would definitely talk about some of the big mistakes I made along the way. Every mistake tied to fear or thinking I wasn't good enough. And I'd I'd really want to highlight those things because that is one place where my show is going now that I hadn't done before. Long story short, a a little while back, I did an episode about my fear or my hate of doing video. And I said, the truth behind that is I am self-conscious of my weight. I've battled my weight my entire life. And I finally just said, Uh, this is something that slows me down. This is something that makes me embarrassed. I want you all to know this. And so I just put it out there. I didn't have a solution like, and now I'm losing weight and I'm taking you on my weight loss journey. I didn't even have that. Right, Weight Watchers. Like it wasn't that. It was just like, it was weird because I always have a solution for people. And I said, "I I don't have a solution, but I want you all to know this is how I'm feeling and this is where I'm at right now. Holy cow. I can't believe I go to live events now. They don't say, I love your episode about webinars or list building. They say, I love your weight episode. And it's sweet that they, not sweet's a w- stupid word, but it's uh, very touching to me that they they resonated with that one. But now because of that, I'm looking for other opportunities to be very honest and feel very uncomfortable in the making of that. And that's what, if I were to do it all over again, I'd focus more on that stuff. Well, I think what what separates your episodes out, um, and this is coming from like you having done this for a long time now, is the, is the amount of preparation you put into your episodes. You actually had an episode where you talked, you got together with your team, and you're like, "Hey, this is how we prepare for our podcast." And I'm being a podcaster who podcasts about podcasting, and I have a podcast production company, super beta. So I was like, I had to dig into that one. But it was I just, and I'm OCD as well, so I'm like, I was really fascinated about the fact that how diligently you plan for your episodes and how important it is for you to have a structure about what it is you're going to talk about. And I'm wondering if that's something that came out over time or you just realized that because of the nature of your business and how much it's growing, that that was important for you to have that planning so that you knew you, you knew what you were going to be talking about. It's incredibly important for me. And sometimes I do try to scale it back like, okay, Amy, you can only spend a certain amount of time planning for a specific episode. You can't get crazy about it because we got work to do. But I will be way more planned out than the average person. And some of my friends tease me about it and I just let them tease and I do my own thing. But this did come from my Tony Robbins days. So when I worked with Tony, I worked on the creative team. So I got to work on the content that he did on stage and in his digital products. And so I would get to sit next to him and watch how he processed the information and what he did with it. We'd prepare it for him and then he would study it. And so he was 
always prepared when he went on stage. He was always prepared. Even if he knew the content well, we still outlined it. We still put examples and stories that he could tell when he was telling those those different pieces of content or teaching it. So I saw that and I wanted to be the best of the best at what I do. So I learned from the best and I, I brought that into my own business. And it served me well, definitely. But at the same time, I do try to give up a little control. I, I feel that I could try to control the whole thing a little bit too much. And so now what we've done in the last few months is we've said, okay, one hour. I get to spend one hour preparing for an episode and that's it. So my best work's got to come out or I just keep going. So I've put a little bit of a cap on it, but I will never not prepare. When someone says, I just am off the cuff, fly by the seat of my pants, I have to tell you a little secret. I'm incredibly judgmental. And in my mind, I feel bad about this. But in my mind, I think that's ridiculous. You should plan. I don't think there's a medal of honor (laughs) or badge of honor for not preparing. But some people kick ass by not planning. Like they're good at that. Are you? Are you a good non-planner? No, no. I mean, no, I'm inspired by people who have a plan because I think it shows that you're taking your show seriously or whatever it is that you're working on seriously. Rather, and, you're speaking my language. And you're demonstrating <laughs> to the audience that this is not something that's half-assed and yes. you respect their time and you understand that they're making an investment in you and you never take it for granted. Like I always have this mantra that I treat my guests like gold. Like I never like, I treat it as a transaction. Like just now that you've been on the show, you'll see that anything you're doing, I'm just going to always promote and be like, previous guest, Amy Porterfield, just like she's doing this, she's doing that. Like I always want to make sure, like whether it's guest Chase Reeves, we came up with this funny thing. Like I was like, hey, I was getting to episode 100. And I was like, hey, Chase, you want to come on? You were episode one. You want to come on for 100? So now the thing is like every 100 episodes, he's going to come on. So cool. I love it. <laughs> so just little fun stuff like that. But something that's interesting, um, and I want to kind of just peel this back a little bit. You're like, it's, you, you mentioned that when you when you started working with Tony, like you wanted just to just be like, be the best of the best. And you take this really seriously. So I'm wondering like how far back we would have to go to like notice that this was a trend in you. Where was this like, where did this first pop up? And like, was it something that you just noticed? Was it apparent in high school or just like, would your friends have said like, oh yeah, Amy, she's always been like this. Cause I, I get the sense that this is an inherent trait and something that runs deep in you. This, this passion for you to like to be the best at whatever it is you do. A million percent. Yeah. This was back in the day, back in high school. I was always very concerned about my grades and I wanted good grades. I did that all through college. And then I worked for Harley Davidson for a few years and I was in marketing at dealership levels. So in Santa Barbara and Ventura area. And I remember coming in and it was a mess in terms of I helped plan the big events and it was just a disaster. And there was no, um, no past information about events they had done before and if I could model that and blah, blah, blah. So I whipped that whole thing in place and I got everything dialed in and I created folders and this and that. I love a good office store. Like if I could buy office supplies all day, I would. So anyway, I did that right from the get-go. And I bring that up because uh, one of the gals that still works there, she says, I still have your folders. I still refer back to those. So I think it was just something in me. I like to plan, be prepared and get organized. And one of the reasons I like it is I like to look back and say, what have we done before? I do not like to reinvent the wheel. And I think it saves you time and it allows you to be better the next time. If you look back and say, what have we done? How can we make it better? So there's a lot of that in my business now. Every launch we do, what did we do before? What will we change? What will we keep the same? 
I get the sense that uh, someone early on inspired you to be like this. So I'm wondering if, if you could think back or, or tell me a story about like a relationship with a mentor or someone that really inspired you because you know, I can think of someone that I call my corporate godfather. I ended up working him for like five different jobs and like three different companies. He just kept hiring me. I was just like, so I'm wondering if, if for you, if you, if you can think back to someone who inspired you early on or just kind of like, or you saw them and you're just like, I like this way this person thinks. I like this way I, you know, I like this way this person works and maybe just model like yourself after that him or her. In many ways, my dad. So my dad has always been really organized. He's always been a planner. He and relationships meant a lot to him. So he's really bad with names, though. And so in our garage, he would have a map and he would write everybody in the neighborhood's names down on the map. And he would look at that just to make sure he's got it all dialed in because he felt it was important to say somebody's name when you talk to them. So I, I from my dad, I learned relationships are important and you got to take the time. And I also learned that keeping things organized and having things prepared shows people that you genuinely care about them. That's why I loved what you said about you, you treat people like gold when they come on your show because you don't want to waste their time and you know their time's valuable and all that good stuff. And I think that's important. It's important to me that people know that they're important to me. Does that make sense? I, I want them to know that. So it was my dad for sure. Um. And and as you think about other opportunities with people that will help you take your business to the other level, because, you know, like they say, what, what got you here won't get you there. So who are you now surrounding yourself with so you can definitely like 10x or whatever is the term, the, the, the proper term nowadays to feel like you need to take yourself to the other level? Because, you know, if you did what you did, got you to where you are now, which is great. But I, I get I get the sense that you you have bigger visions of where you want to be. I do. So just recently I've started to dream bigger and think bigger. And I have a she's a fairly new friend. Her name is Rachel Hollis, and she wrote the book Girl Wash Your Face. It's a New York Times bestseller and it's been on the it's been on the number one charts for a long time now. So I'm so proud of her. And um I started following her and we just became fast friends. And we went to lunch and I listened to her. And she would tell me she just recently has a documentary that she put into local theaters across the U.S. where you could go on a certain night and watch snippets from her live event. And it was super inspirational. It was beautiful. But I'm looking at this girl like, who are you to be putting yourself in these theaters all across the U.S.? And what I meant by that was like, look at you like you just decided to do it. She's written many books and it's like. I wrote a book and I got published. And so I watched how her mind was going through all of this. Like, that's just what I'm doing. And nothing was stopping her. No fear. And those are the kind of women, especially I want to surround myself with. I want to dream bigger and I want to watch them do the big things and say, I can do that too. So she's a huge inspiration to me. Amy, have you thought about like the importance of the platform that you now have? Because like, I'm, I mean, as I, as I start to, you know, educate people on what's possible in this digital marketing world where people didn't know what was possible. Um, I'm, I'm really conscious. I'm, I'm Latin American. So I'm, I'm, I think about like minorities a lot and, and like elevating their voice in this platform and maybe you with women. Are, are you conscious of the, the visibility that you have and the power that you have to inspire like voices that are, not being heard and maybe thinking about things that you can do um, 
to not maybe just not, you're helping them already with their business, but do you think bigger about like maybe at the Oprah type level of like the reach and, and the impact that you can have? To be honest, I probably don't enough. And I think that's my whole thing of I've, I don't think I ever dream big enough and think big enough starting to see what's possible. But it's funny you brought up the thing about you being Latin American and me being a woman and these minorities. When I was talking to Rachel about just stuff I wanted to do, she asked me if I was going to film my latest live event I'm doing. And this is embarrassing to admit, but I'm just going to say it to you because you just bring it out in people, I think. But she said, why aren't you filming it? And I said, well, I don't like to see myself on stage. Like I'm you know, self-conscious of my weight. And I I don't like to see all of that. So I don't want it on video. And she said something that I thought was crazy smart. She said, there are women that are your size that struggle with their weight or any insecurities. They need to see more of themselves on stage. And just like minorities, minorities need to see themselves in center stage, you know, with the big voices. And so I loved that. Like, there's going to be a woman that's like, if Amy can do it, I can do it too. And and I want that. So I do want to put myself out there more and use, I have a big platform. I've got a huge following and I want to use it for good. So that is my mission. And just, I got to baby steps, I guess. So, so when you think about that and think and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, is that, is it, is there anything else that comes to mind? And as you think about the coming year of, of things that you would have dreamed about that maybe two year ago or four year ago or six year ago, Amy would have thought not possible. Hmm. I think, yes, I think that I want to expand my message beyond just courses, webinars, and list building. I think I have more to share. I think I can make a bigger impact. Um, there's so many mindset blocks that keep most entrepreneurs from actually making something big of themselves online. And I want to speak to some of that more, which means I have to get more vulnerable and share all my dark secrets, which I don't love all the time, but I need to. And so, yeah, I want to expand my platform and my message for sure. Can you talk about the importance of friendships? Because I know Rick Mulready is a is a regular on your show, and I just had Rick on a couple of episodes ago because because we met at that. You guys were side by side when we chatted, and so we had a great conversation. But I get the sense that um, you value those friendships very dearly, and some of them have come out have come up as a result of you having this platform and this podcast. So, can you talk a little bit about how important those are? So incredibly important. So, uh, Rick or I like to call him Ricky, although he hates it. And his middle name is James. So his name is Rick James. And you got to make fun of that for sure. (laughs) But um, he has been such a a dear friend of mine. Because here's the thing. In internet marketing, because that's my audience, those who want to create a business online, there are very few people that get you and understand your long hours and what the heck you're doing with funnels and email marketing and why are you making these videos. So it's nice that when I have friends in my industry that I could say, Rick, I am struggling with email open rates. And he's not going to look at me like, really get a life, girl. Like there's bigger, more important things to worry about. Yeah. Like he gets it. And so James Wedmore is another dear friend of mine that I just love. And one thing that's helped me, and this is great for anybody that is building a business and you have a spouse or a partner I've also, my husband's name is Hobie and he's, again, like you said, blue collar firefighter, not in the internet marketing world. I literally had to teach him how to do a voice text the other day. Like the guy does not do technology. And 
I invite these friends over, Rick and James and some other people in the industry, and I I include Hobie so that when I'm having these great relationships that he gets it too. He's part of it. He was at James and Chelsea's wedding and he he know and they know him. Oh, he went to James Wedmore's bachelor party. Like I like Hobie to be a part of it. He's so been he's he been on your podcast. He's, he's uh oh, yeah. Q and A'd you on, on your episode. Yes, as well. yeah. he's come on my podcast. Yeah. And I do all that because he's such a huge part of why I get to do what I do and why I have the success I have. I don't do it alone. He has nothing to do with the business in terms of the funnels, the campaigns, the blah, 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 whatever, but everything to do with the emotional side of running a business. And so I like him to be a part of it. So if you feel like your spouse or partner is not really embracing what you're doing, get them involved in some way. Let them meet some of your your online business friends because they will feel a little bit more a part of it and I think support you in a different way. How important is that for you to have like family dialed into like what you're doing? So important because... During launching, it's almost like I don't live at the house anymore. I live in one room with 20 coffee mugs surrounding me and I haven't showered for five days. Like it's not a pretty sight. And so on those dark moments, I need my husband to say, I know this is going to pass and I'm going to get my wife back in five or six days or whatever. And then we'll go on a mini vacation and it will be great. I need him, his support always. And so it's incredible incredibly important that I he understands the ups and downs of this business. Uh, a couple of questions as we wrap up. What's the um, one most misunderstood thing about you? I think people think that this comes easy to me and that is there's nothing farther from the truth. That's a great question. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? I changed my mind about photo shoots. I recently <laughs> did a photo shoot and I will say that I have been on a weight loss journey. So I'm feeling better about myself. The, the weight's coming off and that's exciting because I'm working really hard. But we did a photo shoot and I freaking hate photo shoots. They're so awkward. I can't even tell you. But someone gave me the advice to go into a photo shoot with five poses that you've practiced. And they're just your signature poses. Life changing. So anybody going into a photo shoot, find some, find some looks you like practice them in the mirror and just keep doing those in your photo shoot. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. So you've talked about this journey. I'm, I'm, I'm interested because you've talked about it three or four times Yeah. in just the conversation we've had about your, your journey with like weight loss. How do you deal with that on a day-to-day basis in a way that you, like you're, you're comfortable with um, so that it's a way for you to explain to your audience that this is the real day-to-day? Like it, it seems like it's a very... I get the sense, Amy, that it's like something that um, it's important for you to talk about because to your point, like when you mentioned it earlier, it's the topic that resonates the most, right? So I get, and it's not something that's easy. So I find it's it's almost like this, like the stuff that's hardest for you to talk about is the stuff that's going to have the most effect on your audience. As you're going through this journey, are you more aware of that? And are you more comfortable in your own skin? like talking about this because you realize the impact that will have if you put yourself out there? A million percent. And it's funny because I've never talked about it as much as I've mentioned it on this episode. So I must be making a transformation because, and I feel weird talking about it. So I'm glad you brought this up because I'm thinking people don't want to hear me talk about weight loss. I talk about internet marketing. So anytime I talk about anything other than internet marketing, I feel indulgent and like I'm taking up space that's not mine. But 
When I gravitate towards somebody, when I love what they're doing online, I realize they're not just only staying in their lane every single minute. And they're letting me in on the hard stuff and the Mm -hmm. awkward stuff and the stuff that's just kind of fun as well. And so I have made it my mission to be more open about what life looks like for me. And because I've talked openly about not liking video because of this struggle, now that I'm doing something about it, I've got to talk about what I'm doing to take people on the journey with me. And I don't love it. Like every single time I mentioned my weight on your episode, I was very aware that I was talking about a topic that I wish I could hide from because it's embarrassing to me, but it's life. This is, this is what I'm going through. So I'm talking about it. I think it's like super important because I think, um, you know, just from a podcast, because it's a very intimate medium, like we're talking to people and this episode is going to be published and people are consuming it on their headphones. And so it's like Amy and Harry talking to people in their ears while they're making dinner, while they're walking their dog, you know, while they're at, at home on the treadmill or in in, in traffic or you know, on their commute. And I think it's a very personable, it's personal, it's a very one-to-one, I think we take it for granted because we're speaking and we get thousands of downloads and like all these people listening. But literally like right now, Susie Jones is listening to this episode and she's going to like hear like what's coming through in your voice and how sincere you are and how much you struggle with the fact that you even like are are debating whether like how openly you want to talk about it on this episode. But the fact that you are and the fact that you're admitting it, it's this this vulnerability that is the beauty of podcasting that we can talk about. And I think we'd be doing our listeners a disservice if we didn't do it, because we'd be painting this picture of this like rosy life of podcasting and everything is like all hunky-dory and look at us and we have the successful business. But at the end of the day, like we need to tell people like, it's not all like the beautiful, like inspirational Instagram posts. Like I want, I, I want an Instagram feed that's like, hey, like I spilled coffee in my white blouse. Hey, my dog pooped on my like front lawn. Like, hey, here's me where I crashed the car into like, when I was in the parking lot. Like, you're never going to see that feed. But this, never. Is the, this is the reality of like the day-to-day of people's lives. And I think I, I I applaud you and I and I really thank you for being vulnerable here because this is like the, the the true like nature of what who we are. We're human beings. Like we're not perfect people. And just because you see us having success on our shows and you see us having success with our businesses, like we struggle sometimes every day. And and when someone turned the tables on me and they asked me that, like, what's the most misunderstood thing about me? I said. My life is not perfect. I'm like, I, I like wake up and I'm in like in a shitty mood. And sometimes like I'm depressed or sometimes it's like I struggle with like, how am I going to build my business or, you know, what I'm going to talk about right. on my show. And I think that's real life, like hashtag real talk or like, and, and I think like the more we do it, like the more people I think will relate to us and feel like, okay, I have my own troubles and my own struggles, but at the end of the day, I can work through it like Amy has, like Harry has, and, and we can kind of make something out of it. So we don't have to wallow in it, but I think we realize and we connect with the fact that you're, you're living a real life, like a real person, and you struggle with a lot of things that they struggle with as well. Completely agree with you. I think the highlight reel really can do an injustice. And so us talking about it, I really loved this conversation. I liked getting into the real stuff. And it's a gift to me because I'm not used to it. It doesn't come naturally. So I appreciate that. 
Well, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time. I know um, I've been in, truly inspired by you from the moment I met you. Uh, I'm honored to finally having you on the show. It's been like if I'm talking, if I'm a podcast junkie and I'm talking to my the, some of the, my, my favorite podcasters in the world, it's a shame that I it's been so long <laughs> to get you on. I, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so sorry it took so long and your patience was so truly appreciated. But I think, uh, as you know, and as you could probably relate, everything happens in its own time. And I think the conversation we would have had maybe a year ago when I just got started would have been kind of superficial. Like totally we superficial. We wouldn't have known each other. But I think the fact that you've gone through this journey, that I've been like just more comfortable in my ability to ask questions that people might squirm a bit with, um, that, right. I, that I think it just makes for just a better uh, experience. And I'm, I'm, I'm truly appreciative of you taking the time and you continuing to tell your journey, to talk about your journey and being more open about where you are in your life. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be valuable stuff for listeners. And, and I hope you continue to do it. Oh, well, thank you. I truly love that we finally got a chance to talk. So thanks again to Amy for coming on the show. I really appreciate that she was able to get a little personal about her story. And it's, as you heard her mention, it's something that she doesn't do normally. And I tried to make an environment and create an environment at Podcast Junkies that makes the guests feel like they're at home. And I hope that's the same feeling that you get when you listen to these shows, because it's important for me to continue to build this community. And speaking of community, I've got a special project that's in the works. I'll probably um, debut the details of it in the next couple of weeks, but I'm um, uh, putting together a conference. That's about all I can say at this point, and it's tied into my mission of helping a million people find their voice. So we're doing a bit of a rebranding on the site, getting all the, the brands lined up, the conference, uh, Podcast Junkies, Fullcast, my production company. So I'm going to be excited to share that with you, some new opportunities to engage with me, uh, and to create community within your, uh, and amongst yourselves. So I uh, can't wait to share that with you. I'm really excited to do that. As always, full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 180. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his full collection of music at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Squadcast, squadcast.fm. Tune in next week for our conversation with Kevin Halbrook, co-host of Thick and uh, sorry, Thick Smoke and Loud Music. Kevin reached out to me cold from an email, and I was so interested by the premise of the podcast that I decided to have him and his co-host uh, Janine on, and I'm really excited to share that with you. It's going to be really fun because you're going to be interested to hear what inspired him to start the show and how that can possibly inspire you to create a podcast about something you're passionate about. If you made it this far, then no doubt you're listening and waiting for the retention hashtag this week because of all the, the value that Amy has provided to the podcasting community. And to me personally, we're going to make it value Amy. That's value Amy, one word. That's the hashtag. And you can tag Amy at Amy Porterfield, A-M-Y-P-O-R-T-E-R-F-I-E-L-D. And of course, myself at podcast underscore junkies. Thank you for all you do to support the show. Looking to get back into a regular rotation. I've got some great interviews coming up and I can't wait to share them with you. Thanks for being a supporter. Love you guys and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.